everyone. So as you know, on December 1st, we had our very first ever live taping of GTSG in a theater at NYU as part of a residency I have at the Asian Pacific American Institute. It was incredible to see all of you guys there, those of you who could make it. Of course, we missed those of you who aren't in the city. We had about 400 people. Jay flew in from California. He put on sneakers instead of the plastic Birkenstocks that he's been wearing for the entirety of the pandemic. Hua Xu, of course, our pal and repeat guest was there to talk about his book, Stay True. It was just an incredible evening and a sort of document of um, the history that we have made in our podcast over the last two and a half years. We're so grateful to you for continuing to listen. Um, here is the audio of that night. We also have the video of that night on YouTube and at the APA Institute website. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is crazy. Um, we didn't know what the turnout was going to be like and tried to be reasonable, but this is very exciting. So thank you all for coming. Um, yeah, and this is our first live show. Yeah. And, uh, Amazing. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, Tam- okay, Tammy, do you want to go down your list of thank yous <laughs> sure, here? Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you guys so much for being here, and we're really excited to have this be part of my residency this year. Um, In my residency, I'm looking at a lot of transnational Asian issues, and it fits really well with Hua's book, which, if you've read, explores the relationship between Taiwan and the United States. Um, We just wanted to say some uh, thank yous to folks here, Amita Magnani, Crystal Prick, Laura Chun-Schultz, and the audiovisual team. And thanks to our extraordinary producer, May Schatz. Where are you, May? Thank you. Um, if you guys have been listening to the pod recently, it sounds a lot better and more professional, and it's because May's on board. So thank you to May. Um, and also shout out to our former uh, co-host, Andy Liu, who's in Philly and couldn't be here tonight. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember him, Jay? Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Um, I thought he was a fever tonight. Um, the second okay. baby, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, okay, well, yeah, we're very excited to have tonight's guest, which is... Why? Um, <laughs> Why is one of the first people in journalism, or and you weren't even a journalist back then, right? But like many, many years ago, I think it was like 2009 or something like that, right? Why had a blog at the Atlantic, and um, it was something that I read, and we knew some people in common, uh, like some friend of mine who was a blogger, right, Nathaniel, and um, yeah, he's really been sort of a gentle hand guiding me through the waters of <laughs> the <laughs> of, media world <laughs> of my career um, yeah why introduced me to the you know film chan is missing you know um, <laughs> he like suggests things that i should read and watch you know when i get mad about something um and i'll <laughs> complain and he'll be like look you know you should really read this and think about it and you know it's, it has a calming effect you know and so um i think that like you know reading this book too it just seems like you know I don't know, I think there is like sort of this idea of, you know, how things that people like together can bring people together, yeah. but also sort of form relationships and maybe they, they mean something more than the, than the work of art itself or the music itself or whatever. And so, 
Um, yeah, I've, I've had, uh, you know, I, I look up to Walt quite a bit, so I'm very excited to have him here. Yeah. So Congrats. thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you for being here, Juan. Congrats on your book. Um, Thanks. I feel very weird right now, but uh, <laughs> I'm very thankful to be here. I know. You gave me the weirdest look when I started talking. I felt bad. I was like, maybe I was talking I'm about... Like, we've been hanging out for three yeah. hours. I know, but I really... I thought that it was like... <laughs> I did have this thought. I was like, wait, maybe it was somebody else who had an Atlantic vlog <laughs> in my head. And I was like, I, am I misremembering this whole thing? But no, that was all true. Um, yeah, no, we I'm watched the Mexico. Too. Oh, no, we watched the Japan game. It was very exciting. Yeah. But I felt very conflicted about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, right. world, any World Cup fans here? Yeah, have yeah. people been watching? Um. Yeah, well, like, I don't know. I, I guess, right, the first thing we should do is that, we, you know, we have a lot of people here from wide and far, right? And yeah. we'd like to welcome all of you. There are people from Chicago, D.C., Rochester, California, Toronto. Thank you so much. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, we just ran into a friend from our Discord in California, so that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, all for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that we're going to just sort of launch right into a conversation about this book. Um, you know, like it was just named one of the Times' 10 best books of the year, so congratulations about Woo! that. Is, is that. Was that like a weird moment when you found out about that? Uh, you mean like personally? <laughs> That's a terrible question. Forget <laughs> it. Like, I don't know. I, if was... someone asked me that, I would just be like, why are you asking me that? It's like, it's terrible. I didn't right, know let's that go there on. was... I have a whole list yeah. of questions here, so I'm going to get through them. <laughs> Um, that one, let's forget that one. All right, so then, <laughs> the next, the next. Well, should we say a little bit about the book in case folks yeah, haven't yeah. read it? Well, do you want to just give an overview? Or, Jay, you could say what your impressions of it were. Okay, yeah. Why do you want to talk about yeah. your book? Why do you, 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 you want me to summarize my book? No, no, Is no, that no, a no, weird no, Okay, no. these are, like, bad author questions. No, no, it's fine. It's, uh, it's about... Uh, no, it's... <laughs> it's a, it's a about, memoir. Uh, how many... Do, are most people here from NYU or no? no. Okay. Oh, thank not, you. For a few people. Not are. like a heavy bobcat representation here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just a book about a period of my life, college when I don't know. Like I, I feel like I was writing it from this very kind of intimate, solipsistic, navel gazing place because I was just trying yeah. to figure some stuff out myself and meaningful friendships that I made when I was in college and and themes of loss and grief and I thought that it was like so specific to people who went to Berkeley between the years of 1995 and 1998 <laughs> who lived in Ida Sproul Hall that I didn't actually <laughs> imagine that anyone would actually relate to it at all you know well I've, do you remember like we met like when I had moved to Berkeley like do you remember we met at like that coffee shop near campus and you told me the book you were writing like you were like oh I'm gonna write this book and in my head I really I did think I was so surprised because like when you're like, I'm going to write a book, I thought it would be about music or something like that. And you're like, no, it's going to be about this period of my life. And I was like, wow, that, that was like kind of unexpected. Um, I don't know. Did, that, did it feel that way to you? Like you weren't, like this is not a book that you thought you would write? Or is it like the book that you always thought you were going to write? Yeah. It's something that I always thought I would write. I mean, I guess just to be more uh, clear about it, like it's about like this friendship I made when I was in college and then um, when between our junior and senior years, my friend was killed, and then it was about sort of like the aftermath and trying to figure out what it means to be friends with people who... Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's not a foreign concept to a lot of you that this idea of, like, 
you know, your, your tastes are your personality or, um, you know, what I like and what you like are sort of what distinguish you from me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I was just thinking about a lot of these things and immediately after the event, like I started writing. So I always knew I was going to write stuff, but I mean, and this is probably like the deeply Asian American part of it. Like I didn't think I'd become a writer because there were just no models for right. that when I was um, in high school or college. And so I thought I would just write this because I needed to process some stuff. I didn't necessarily think it would be as, as a writer. I thought I'd be like a researcher or something or a lawyer. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that idea of like writing to process things is interesting like, because I personally don't get it, you know, because there's like, I write about myself a lot, but then there's like stuff that I like don't write about ever because I don't want to think about it. But then I guess I am processing things, but like, you know, <laughs> it's interesting that it just happened to you at such a young age, you know, to me that um, this was the way that you decided that you wanted to cope with this tragedy that had happened. Um, did it just you mean like writing as opposed to like painting or something? Yeah. Or like, you know, like, I don't know, like, eating or like you know like, or like <laughs> various modes of like self-destruction or whatever right that yeah that it wouldn't come it doesn't seem like it would be so natural as a, as a as a way of of coping with it like um yeah and if you started it then how much has it evolved over these 20 years and you know was there a time in the last couple of years where you thought all right i kind of know now the form it's going to take yeah it's changed a lot i mean I so assume, yeah. i started writing a lot of the stuff that's in the book the day after, in 1998. Oh. But, um, and, I, and I think for years, like, even as I was working as a journalist, like, I was very <laughs> much... What is that in quotes? I don't know, because, <laughs> like, I think that this is just sort of a... I don't know, maybe this is just being a Californian, but I didn't know... I, I just think that I, I ne I've never really self-identified as a as journalist or as part of the media, even though I clearly am part of these <laughs> things. Yeah. But I always just thought, like, oh, I, I like to write. Yeah, like, yeah. I write. And so I think the idea of um, of the category is just something that I was always just a little confused by because what I was actually interested in doing was this other thing that had nothing to do with my journalism. So I think that's what, one of the reasons why I write about so many different things right. is because... I actually don't care that deeply about any one thing. Like, I'm just curious about all sorts of things. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I feel, but I feel like when I was in my 20s writing in my journal, it was just sort of relentlessly sad. Yeah. And it took a while to kind of come around and figure out different ways of thinking about what it means to lose someone and what it means to try and do something on, on their behalf. Or um, that sounds... Maybe not on their behalf, but but in their in their image, or, or just sort of like to extend these things. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like a large part of the book at the beginning, I think, is about like people trying to figure out who they are, right? And specifically, it's about yourself and your father trying to figure out. At the same time, there's this like beautiful line about how like um, I think we have it right here, which is that like uh, you know immigrants are. You know, they're, they're, you basically the idea is like you and your parents are trying to figure it out together, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think that like one figures it out and it's somewhat linear, but you're both trying to figure yourself out together. And a lot of it is trying to figure out how how do you relate to like a culture that is essentially foreign to you. And I think about this with my parents. I remember there was like a period of my life where I would, my sister and I were very into The Simpsons, and my father would watch it with us, and it would be like 
radio <laughs> silence, you know? And it's not that he doesn't have a sense of humor, but then at some point he tells us, he's like, well, I just don't understand any of the references that are going <laughs> right, on in yeah. this, you know? And, like, you know, it was, it was a sad thing to hear because it's like, well, I get it, but you don't. And it's not, like, a language barrier thing. It's just because you, like, you're, you don't, you've lived in America much longer than I have, but, like, and as an adult, but, like, you haven't internalized as much of the culture. And so, like... Were there things that he found really funny that... I mean, I love The Simpsons. I thought it was very funny. But, like, what did he find? Your dad, though. Yeah. Oh, no. He, well, I, like, you know, like... It was just silent. Like, Homer walking into a wall was funny, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, uh, like, stuff like that was, like, funny, but, like, you know, sort of the more layered stuff that made The Sim- early Simpsons, like, sort of, you know, intellectually interesting to young people was, like, lost, you know? And um, I don't know, like, uh, when did you... St- like your father's journey for this is was really interesting to me because it seems like he went deeper, right, than a lot of immigrant parents would, right? Like my dad does not. Like he listens to Peter Paul and Mary and stuff like that, but that's because he listened to it in Korea, yeah, you know. But funny. like once he got here, it was just like you know sometimes plays golf and that's about <laughs> like that's about it. And it's not because of a lack of curiosity, but I just think that that's like kind of more standard. Um, but yeah, like what like just just talk about that a bit, like how your father sort of was trying to find himself through American pop culture. He's, like, buying Guns N' Roses I know, see, like, I was records and, like, listening to bands and stuff like that. And that <clears> seems, like, somewhat exceptional to me. And, it, you know, for me, at least, it was a very moving part of the book. But were there, were there, were there ways in which your parents, like, <laughs> were into American culture, like, other than Peter, Paul, and Mary? No. How about really. you tell me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there were access points. Were your parents also really. into Peter, Paul, and Mary? My dad was really into Neil Diamond, okay. which yeah, yeah, my parents, like that yeah, era. Yeah, my, my dad, I, yeah, my parents too. I yeah. feel like I have James a bunch Taylor. of like, yeah, like yeah. I have like a few like dad albums from right. them, but yeah. no, but like what you describe and also your dad is so sensitive. He's like the Asian dad I wanted, but like, it's you know. It's funny because, you know, like all, all writing, it, it, you know, like you're narrativizing stuff that was just like sure, experience. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's, I like my dad, but he's he's definitely, um, you know, like he, he. We were arguing recently, and he was just like, "Now, nah, now you're gonna write another book about how I, like about how we actually don't agree on everything." You know? <laughs> um, and so I think that there's definitely like a a lot of projection there because I don't think he thinks he's sensitive. I don't think he feels like like he's sensitive either. Right. But I, but I also don't think that he like many like, first-generation immigrants, like, I don't think he was thinking about, like, I'm trying to fit in or I'm trying to understand something. I think he just was subjected to so much music in his boarding house in Amherst, and he was like, I kind of like this. And he got into it, but a lot of me watching them listen to music, and and I think that's a pretty important thing, is just kind of watching people around you read or laugh or listen to music. It's sort of how we learn to do that, too, I think that he was just, he wasn't really thinking about it as a new context. He was just sort of like, oh, I, this, guns and, this guy's really good at singing. Like, he has, <laughs> he has a surprisingly high-pitched voice, you know. Um, this, this other man with the top hat is, like, incredibly good at the guitar. <laughs> right. But, but um, it's not like he was looking at it thinking, like, this is a symbol of freedom and excess. Right, you know? right. Whereas, right. like, that's what I was internalizing because I was, mm. I was a teenager. And I don't know, like, there is something kind of cool about misreading 
our parents or people around us in that way. Um, but yeah, like I, I guess I didn't find it that weird because there were other kids at my high school whose parents were into Metallica or just oh, were, wow. who were just like engineers. And so <laughs> maybe it was just very specific to people who grew up in the Bay Area in the, yeah, in maybe. the early 90s. <laughs> but I think there was just this weird like abundance of, um, I don't know, I, maybe it was just kind of this weird moment where people, cable TV was like pretty cheap, so people were able to... Um, be into things that you wouldn't expect that they'd be into. Yeah. I was thinking about your book in relation to Jay's book when I was reading the sections of your book that are transcribed faxes. So if you guys have read it, and of course, I hope you will, um, Hua reproduces faxes that his dad sent when he was working in Taiwan. And they're incredibly touching and sometimes weird, and they're just really sort of <laughs> all over the place. Um, but it reveals like a real tenderness um, between you guys. And Jay has a section in his book, too, where um, he has a translation of something that his mom has written. Um, so I was curious from both of you guys, like, why include that stuff? How did you feel kind of processing their own words? Um, I included it just because I felt like it was a better expression of how she felt than I could do just because, yeah. you know, you're a kid and you don't really, you're not that concerned about how they're feeling at the time and you don't really know. And then you think about it later when you're an adult, but you're generally processing it through yourself, you know? And so, like, at some mm -hmm. point, you're just talking about yourself. And, you know, reading that was pretty, you know, it was interesting to me just because it took me so long to read it because, like, of, you know, like, I can't read Korean quickly anymore. Mm -hmm. Or, like, um... And then I had somebody start to translate it because I was like, well, you yeah. should just translate large parts of it. And like, if I do it, it's going to take like however long. And it was, yeah, it was like, it was affecting to see, uh, that there was like some, like that it wasn't just like, okay, we have to like survive here. Um, which is something that you write about, you know, at the beginning of this book too, yeah. which is like the first generation survives. Right. And then, um, but, uh, but yeah, like these sort of pauses. But we don't really think about our parents that way, uh, especially, I think, as second-generation immigrant kids where you're just kind of, like, very ungrateful about it, you know? You're just kind of, like, half of you is just like, why am I here? You're like, why did you move here? And then the other half of you is like, um, why make sure that my life is like that other kid's life, you know? And yeah. so, I don't know. It was That's why I did it, at least. Yeah. Mm. Well, what about you? Yeah, similar. I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't know if it's just about being the child of immigrants. I think all kids don't actually care about their parents. You know? <laughs> you know, like, I think that's just part of yeah. being a kid is you're concerned about your, your own emotions, but you don't really understand your parents' context, nor should you because you're so much younger than them. But I remember finding the faxes because I, I come from a line of pack rats. I was going to say, yeah, and, um, <laughs> the archive like, it was at your in house. A sheaf, uh, alongside a sheaf of like, uh, Pacific Bell phone bills from <laughs> um, and I was like it's that's sick we have like a year of phone bills from 1984 like this is the research possibilities are, uh, are endless here but I found the faxes and I remember writing them because it was such a part of my like such a part of my teenage years was yeah. just that my dad was in Taiwan all the time um, and again it wasn't that weird because like quite a few people from my high school shared that I see but well. When I found the faxes, I realized that, like, at first, I was just like, oh, it's hilarious that I was trying to engage my dad in a 
conversation about Soundgarden. <laughs> but then I looked below and I was like, oh, he was really there. Now there's this paragraph about like growing up and being like yeah. a, a young man. And, and I like went downstairs. I'm like, dad, you know, thanks for trying so hard to like parent and, and like be there for me. And he just sort of laughed and was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He's like, why do we still have this? And and he didn't necessarily, and again, I think it is one of those things where he was, he wasn't like processing anything. He wasn't necessarily conscious of Mm -hmm. how this would be read. He was just trying to give advice, trying to be present. Be present, right. And so um, obviously like in the book, there's, there's like projection there where I'm like thinking about. I'm probably ascribing like a much more holistic kind of intention than there was. Cause he was just trying to, he, in a way he was just grasping for straws. He's like, I'm, mm. I'm in Taiwan. Like this is the one shot I yeah. have to cut, communicate with you. So I'm just going to try and like filibuster, try and like <laughs> ask questions to get you to, to respond to me. But, and so like, I just liked having his voice, but I also just like, how in the book I quote like Aristotle, Derrida, Marcel Mauss, but then I also quote <laughs> my father, my mother, yeah. and my friend Ken, and just that idea of like citation and just having their voices be almost as sage as mm. you know Derrida or like Aristotle or um, you know uh, Charles Taylor. Like I, I liked having a lot of them in the book because it that. felt like they were there too. If that makes sense? Yeah, that's really sweet. Um, yeah, I, w- I actually wanted to read that passage, you know, about because I want to talk a lot here about like record collecting because it's something that has always been curious about you to me personally, you know, because <laughs> I'm not a record guy and like it's. But a lot of people do you that, collect anything? No shoes. No. Do you? I had some sneakers, but that, <laughs> I was mo- it was mostly out of peer pressure. But I was, was it more out of at like, ad uh, like speculation? No, or? it was because I was like at the time I was working at an ad agency. I was being paid a lot of money, and I was like, I should spend some of this money, and so I spent it on sneakers. But then I immediately, every time they came in, I felt this like disappointment in myself because <laughs> i'd be like what am i going to do with this box you know and then i would well, get, you keep the box i would get really mad about it and um <laughs> and then uh yeah i think on the discord or something like that i'm just gonna give them all away at this point because like wow. it's like if anyone is a size nine it's a sample size um you know and you would like any number of Jordans, please tell me. But um, no, I've never collected anything really. Do you collect anything? I haven't really either. I mean, I've seen your record collection, Juan. I think mine is like one one hundredth of that. Yeah. But are there other things that you you like having around? No. Not really. Yeah. No, I. We're not like no. you. We don't. <laughs> Wait. So is that normal or am I normal? I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, you obviously get I it from your like parents collect, with yeah, the bills and all. It's true. Yeah. Like, my, my wife and I, like, are both, like, uh, don't put things on walls type of yeah, people. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. Not out of, like, any type of, like, clean aesthetic, but out of, like, pure laziness. <laughs> and it's, uh, our house would look really weird if we didn't, like, once every four months, like, look around and be like, people are going to think we're, like, crazy if they step <laughs> in this house, you know? But, like, yeah, so it's, it, it is a bit, and I don't think that you're the weird one here, but like, let me read this passage. Is that okay? Like, it's not going to embarrass you. <laughs> Um, there comes a moment for the immigrant's child when you realize that you and your parents are assimilating at the same time. 
Later, I understood that we were both sifting store to store for some possible future, that we were both mystified by the same fashions, trends, and bits of language, that my late-night trips to the record store with my dad had been about discovery, not mastery. Later still, I came to recognize that assimilation as a whole was a race toward a horizon that wasn't fixed. The ideal was ever-shifting, and your accent would never be quite perfect. It's beautiful writing. But, like, you know, I wanted to... Yeah, like, didn't you just, like... This record collecting thing, right? Like, um, you know, like how does it start, right? You know, in the book you talk about quite a bit. I think it's something that has really sort of come to define, at least for me, like who you are, yeah. you know, because I, it, like, why is not, like, while also his friends, one of them who lives in Berkeley, and like, he has so many records too, you know, and every time I go to lunch with him, I feel this disappointment because I know, like, what he would rather do is talk to me about <laughs> records. <you know? laughs> Instead, we talk about our kids, you know, be like, oh yeah, how's your kid doing at school? It's amazing, you know, and he really just wants to talk about some record that he wants to order. <laughs> he's like, does that, like, um, and I feel like, I feel that, you know, so yeah, just like, how, how does this become like such a, Wait, so Central you guys don't collect? You wouldn't You're say still you, on this? <laughs> you have a library, right? A book. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Yeah, that's mostly like out of like vanity, you know, <laughs> just like loneliest Americans. Try to seem like an. <laughs> I have, like, a whole show, yeah, like, uh, there's a, um, some of you both know, like, because I had, like, a photo taken once for some profile, and, like, behind me, there's, like, uh, he emailed me, he's, like, that's a very, uh, uncracked copy of Proust behind you, and I was, like, yep. <laughs> I was, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I did read that book, I just didn't read that copy, I just bought that copy because the cover was pretty, you know, but, like, um, yeah, like, what is, you don't have to, like, make this about us, you know, like, where, 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 like, like, what, what, when does this start, and why is it such, like, an important part of your life? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that it is as important to me as it once was. Right. Like, I would rather talk to you about, you know, your kid than, than records. But maybe it, maybe it is just because, like, my dad had... Yeah. My parents had, like, a pretty big music collection. And I don't know. It just seemed like... It was, like, a hobby that my dad really enjoyed. Like, he would go to the record store and... And you did it together. To, yeah. yeah, and I would think it was the like, like possibly the least cool thing to do because when you're a kid, or when I was a kid, I thought everything my parents were into was like not cool, not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I was like, it's much cooler to sit here and listen to the Giants sports talk like on AM, mm. on an AM radio. And so I think it probably has to do with that, but it probably just is also a version of how you know you go to someone's house and they have like this impressive library and you think that they're cultured just because they own a ton of books. Yeah, that's like why Jay has his. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't really thought about, I mean, I also just like having, it's, I mean, I, show of hands, like how many people here like collect a thing? I would say that's okay, like yeah. 90% of the people here, right? That's not that was not 90. <laughs> that was like... It was probably like ninety nine like percent of the people here. So it was like a strong that was forty. That thirty percent. I think I also just rationalize it by you know like it just there there is sort of the the prescribed histories that were taught. Um, there's like history departments and whatnot, but there's also just sort of the casual scattered ephemeral history of like a record collection or of like. Um, like there's a yeah. like I go to flea markets all the time. I've now trained my child to go with me to uh, secondhand <laughs> oh shops. Yeah. And there's this uh, like there's this one flea market I go to, and there's a person who basically just deals in like 
estate sales, like junk. Like there's not, there's, there's nothing good. But he's clearly inherited the belongings of like a Chinese family. He's not Chinese. And so like every week there will be like one week there was just like a box of ointments and like oh tinctures God. and soaps <laughs> from like the 70s. The next week there was like this giant collection of uh, Chinese cookbooks. And then finally there was this uh, collection of photo albums. Because I also collect mm-hmm. photos of uh, just like random photos of like Asian people that I find on eBay. <laughs> Um, what era? Like in, in America? Or? Just like uh, like family, weird family suburban photo. Like I, people will sell like Ziploc bag of a hundred pictures of Asian people. Oh my god! Oh yeah! No, no, so wait! I, I, yeah. When uh, when we were putting together documentary, <laughs> they're, they're tasteful. They're not like weird pictures. I have to say. So we, uh, <laughs> I had like all the people who were immigrants in the film send us photos of their childhood family photos and it was very emotionally affecting to see them you know because it was and so we put them all in the film you know and mm-hmm. so we have like your friend Oliver and his brother when they're babies and Nancy Wong Yuan like as a child playing tennis and stuff like that no I, I can see that like mm-hmm. that that stuff is like but it's weird. Yeah, it is stuff like weird. That. But stuff like this that. is like a bag of strangers' photos. No, it is I, a bag no, of no. But I do. So, I, I, I get it because I yeah, think it's like I mean, kind of it like it's very sweet. Yeah. There's this like idea in my head that I had, which I, I don't think it'll work. But like you know, in my head, I was doing it because I was like, well, if I can like populate this film with like these images of yeah. these people in these suburban or even urban places, then that in itself is like a sort of you know, visual reminder to the viewer. That, like, that's what you're doing, right? right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, we should absolutely. say that this is for Jay's documentary on Michael yeah. Chang, oh, the yeah. tennis player, yeah. if you guys yeah. don't know, which is coming soon. Yeah, his mom also put an ad in the newspaper for Chinese cooking lessons. Oh, like yeah, your just mom. like mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. sweet. Um, but yeah, no, I just collect... I mean, I, I just think that there's a, a lot... There's a lot of ways in which that stuff doesn't conform to a history that's been told. Yeah. And so... I don't know. I just like having. I just like exploring these kinds of informal archives, totally. and it actually does have like a personal origin too. Because when my parents got married, this is in the book. But when my parents got married, they took all these photos, and they went on this road trip, and then all of their photos were taken out of their car when they parked it next to Columbia, like at some point in the early '70s. And so I'm always like, man, it would be it would be nuts if I somehow stumbled upon oh, all yeah. these photos. Oh my God. Like it's impossible. There's right, no way a right, thief right. was like, I'm going to develop all these photos, <laughs> and then um, and then hold on to them for 45 years and then lose them in some sort of storage wars type situation. But there is like a, there is a kind of weird fantasy that that yeah, uh, recovery. And, and I think that a lot of the photos that. Like, my collection has... It's, like, people fishing or people playing sports. Like, they're just sort of these very kind of generically Americana images that I find interesting because you just don't see them that often, you know? Um, You should do, like, a museum Why am I talking about all this? Oh, yeah, because I collect records, too. Yeah, the collecting. I shudder at the thought of my family photos somehow being released into the wild like that. I've always thought I would, like, burn them before I die or something. I don't know. It seems so personal and private yeah. <laughs> it For no, future it is. Hoshi to no, it is, look through it all is. Um, Yeah. 
I don't know what to say maybe? about that. There's no <laughs> ethics on eBay. Well, so maybe we should. I was curious if you wanted to like talk a little. So while talks about his relationship to his dad, and then of course, you know, the book is um, about this friend, Ken. Um, I mean, to me, the book is really also about like it's about friendship, but it's about masculine friendships and like the development of masculinity and ideas of Asian masculinity. Um, yeah, do you want to say a little bit about that? I mean, Jay's obviously written a lot about it. There's a sort of like. I don't know, canon's the right word, but there's like a kind of literature on Asian American masculinity now that, that maybe didn't exist in the same way when you were with these like, friends like at what? Cal. Um, I mean... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't... Oh, just generally? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think like Jay, we could think about like Jay's work or Wesley Yang, or we could oh, talk about right, like right, right. the conversations we've been having on the pod and elsewhere around like Asian men's rights activists, you know, all this kind of stuff. So... Um, but this sort of idea about like the insecurity of Asian American men or, you know, the identity of Asian American men. Yeah. I mean, I think so, you know, that all of this, the book is set from like 1995 to 1998 Mm -hmm. and, you know, going to college and taking Asian American studies classes, um, like there, there's all these I feel like most people I know who went to Berkeley took Asian American Studies 20A, which is this intro class, um, partly because it's, like, you know, fascinating, but it was also just sort of, like, a class that people would go to socially. Like, it was it was also... Uh, my friends all called it AmScam <laughs> because it was, like, this class where you would learn all this stuff, but it was also just, like, a fun way to meet people. Um, I took it for purely intellectual reasons after... <laughs> Like, when I was a, when I was a junior, because, like, at first I was like, why would I want to take a class? That sounds really dumb. But then I think once I started taking these classes and just sort of understanding these, like, contexts, mm-hmm. um, you know, my friend Ken was very confident in a way that I wasn't. And I don't know. We would talk about a lot of these things. It's funny because it's possible that the stuff we were talking about would sort of fall into this bucket of, like, Asian-American masculinity, but we sort of lacked the understanding to link it to those yeah. larger contexts. You know what I mean? And I guess that's where politics starts often. It's just sort of this For sense sure. of grievance. Like, oh, why is this person on TV and this person's not on TV? Like, there was this formative moment in um, for for him and for when uh, the real world, a casting agent came to his frat house and he was like, why hasn't there ever been an Asian American man? And the person was just very dismissive. Like, mm-hmm. like you guys don't have the personalities for this. And I, I suppose, like, if that happened now, there would be this, there would be, like, a set of responses that you would, you yeah. would know that you could have. But at the time, I mean, maybe it was just that we didn't know and because people were writing about it and researching these things. But it was just sort of this uh, feeling that we were trying to conjure and mm-hmm. trying to, like, shape into, into a politics, you know. Yeah. So it's definitely something that runs through the book and runs through the friendship that we had. Um, but, yeah, I can't... I don't know what it would have been like if we had lived in a different period of time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. There's, like, not the language about it, even right. though people had talked about it before. But I don't know. I mean, I, I've had that... I've had... Pe- I've met people like the... Like, you know, where... It's like an Asian dude, super confident, and like kind of walks around the world. I think in college I met a couple, like my friend Pat, who's from you know 
he he's from the South Bay too, and he went to the same high school that Sam Bankman Freed went to. And he's like <laughs> he was like good at tennis, and then it was like Crystal Springs. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I've just never met an Asian person like you. And so my response <laughs> was to always just make fun of him. Like I I had a zine in college, you know, and I in it I said the whitest man at Bowen College is Patrick Soonge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my way of dealing with it, you know. It was like I'm not proud of it, but you know, it was kind of funny. I still make fun of him that way, but um, but like you know, like I, I so I don't think that there was like I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't experience it that way. Yeah. It was just like kind of like where did you come from, you mm-hmm. know? Like was more of it, but you know, I don't know. Like I think that that's like a very specific California thing, mm. you know, and um, and that it's, like, people who grew up a little bit differently and not in some of these, like, kind of, like, you know, immigrant enclave type of things. People, yeah. like, third, fourth generation. Um, right. And you come across them, and, and they, like, certainly exist and have been here for a long time, but, like, sometimes it's hard for people who grew up in these more cloistered immigrant communities to even meet those types of people until you go to college, right? For sure. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about zines? I want to talk about zines. Sure. Um, I've, so the last few times I've seen Wah, he's giving, he's like handed me a zine, and I've like I've, and it's so sweet. I have, and really it's a, great. I have nine more today. <laughs> yeah. One, so. And um, I'm really is curious about it. Know what a zine is. Right. right. Um, and so like I, it like the thing that I kind of like, like the thing that went through my head, even just now when you handed me one, like right before we came on here, I was like. Oh, this is like who this person is. Like, this is like this is like so exciting for you to like make these things. Not to give them to me, obviously, but to give them to people, <laughs> you know. And then on this book tour, like every single event that you have is like accompanied with some sort of zine swap or something like that, right? So like, what, what, like I don't know for the, the younger people in the crowd. First of all, maybe like explain what a zine is, and then like you know tell them like you know and why why <laughs> is this like it. an important yeah. thing for you? I don't mean this. I feel like, you know. What is a zine, huh? It's like a physical podcast, I guess. Um, No, it's like a, you know. Actually, that's good, yeah. It's like a magazine that you make for yourself. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, but I don't know. Did you ever go through a phase where you would do anything like that? Yeah, a little bit. What was yours about? Definitely. What was yours called? I didn't have a name like that, like okay. yours. Yeah, they were like little drawings, and yeah, they were mostly sad. <laughs> they were just like weepy, <laughs> weepy twin things I made in my twenties and thirties. <laughs> would it make you feel less sad to make them, or would it amplify the sadness? Um, <laughs> I think it depends on the breakup. <laughs> you were making music scenes and. All yeah, no, of, I was very yeah. into getting free CDs, which were these uh, round <laughs> objects that used to contain music. Um, but yeah, I think I, I honestly, um, I think I read an article about zines in a magazine, like in a proper magazine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should do that because I will never like work for the magazine. So it was just a way to have, uh, it was, I don't know, it was just like a way to have a platform, which sounds ridiculous now because like there's, 500 potential, like, every one of us has the power to broadcast ourselves in the world, but, you know, at the time, I think it was really exciting to be able to, you know, get primitive page maker software, like, cut and paste something, and then make, like, 15 (laughs) copies of it. Um, Did you go to Kinko's? Where did you do your copying? 
Kinko's was more, that was like the, the like the fancy coffee yeah. shop. So, um, I don't know. There was like Copy Central was the one okay. I would go to in yeah. Berkeley. Um, just an independent. Or I would just like, it, when my dad was home from Taiwan, I would make him take me to his work so I could that's copy the there. Best, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. That's cute. Um, yeah. No, it was not very rebellious because my parents would drive me to the coffee well, yeah, shop to make, to make my zine. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think though, even at the time, because the internet was like it existed, but nobody took it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of just having something that you could broadcast in a very limited way yeah. was very appealing. Like there was no illusion that this would become a big deal at all. Like there were stories of people who wrote zines and then like were allowed to make an indie film or something, but it really wasn't the road <laughs> to any real attention. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, I am doing this for myself and if these 10 people, for some reason I had a high concentration of readers in Halifax, Nova Scotia, <laughs> which in my mind still remains like one of the coolest places on earth because Have I you knew, been? No, I've never been. Oh, man, like, I think it would destroy it. In but my now mind, I'm thinking like you, know? you had 15 copies. So how many went to Halifax? <laughs> like, like three. Like three. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so in my mind, I was like, God, like someday I'm going to go to college. Maybe it'll be in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, but it was just, you know, I think there was something, at the, even at the time, about just entering into these conversations that you knew were out there. Yeah. But they were very small. And as I get older, I'm like, that's really great, actually, to have that's these cool. conversations that are, like, in public, but also, like, very private at the same yeah. time. Because there just aren't really, I don't know, things just aren't as um, walled off now. Mm-hmm. And everything is just sort of potentially... Some something viral waiting to happen. So I don't. I don't know. It was just a very. Uh, yeah. My zines were terrible, but they were very <laughs> important in terms of just having, um, just you know, challenging yourself to make something. And I think writing the book reminded me of how much I like making things, which is why I keep mm-hmm. making these random zines now. So right, even yeah. though the internet exists, which would seem to make all of that stuff seem like kind of quaint and idiotic. So yeah, it's nice. I don't. I made some in high school too, because like where. I grew up in Chapel Hill. It's like one of the epicenters of <clears throat> scenes, you know, and like people would. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, because like there's a whole indie rock scene there oh, with okay. Super Chunk and Archers of Loaf, and then there's an anarchist bookstore, and they had like a shelf where you, if you made a zine, you could put you it on. You just put it up there. Yeah. That's so cool. me and my friends thought about making one, and then we couldn't figure. You know, like what was <laughs> what were we rebelling against? We're like <laughs> rebelling against like the you know, the people on the yearbook staff, you know, like, <laughs> like they tell you, fuck them, you know, like, they're really bad. And like, you know. Wait, so what was your college one then? Oh, um, it was, it was, it was basically that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it wasn't, but it, it was wasn't the college, anymore. The college edition so, yeah, of the yearbook. it was yeah. really just that. And then, right. um, but it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't much different than that. Um, it was the same thing, but it was nice because it did feel very, like you, we would hope that like, 80 people would read it, you know, and that um, that they would like it so much that they would foster some sort of relationship. And then mm-hmm. um, and then you would be friends with those 80 people because they liked your scene and hopefully they gave you something back. But, yeah, I don't know. I try and kind find, like... the like, Discord. Huh? It's like the Discord. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I try and find modern analogs to it, and I guess it's all just, like 
podcast or something like that. And then I feel embarrassed that that is my example because it feels like self-serving in <laughs> yeah. some sort of way. But, um, and then it, but it, and, uh, but maybe in terms of like the DIY part of it or something like that and the idea that it's a community, maybe that's similar, but it's still not the same because it's not tactile. You know, it's like mm-hmm. digital. It's not something that you can like hand to somebody. I don't know. I found that that part too yeah. true. Yeah. I remember writing a whole article about how I hated braided belts so yeah, that, that, that was like the substance. <laughs> the just like fuck braided belts. Anyone who would wear one. Do you still? Yeah, hate them? that was like basically was my content too. Like, I'm oh, you such were a hypocrite. You know? Like they're actually incredibly practical. You know, so <laughs> you don't need sizing. You know, I know. If you go out to dinner and you get a little full. Yeah. You must have read like my piece about vineyard vines. I'd be like, you know, like, who wears this? You know, what's up with these people? Um, this is a great article. Um, yeah, um, I don't know, like, do you, like, one of the other things, you know, like, this, I wanted to ask you, is just, like, what you said at the beginning, like, sort of struck me, which was that, like, you felt like this book um, would only be relatable to a small selection of people, right? And um, and then, but you went ahead and you did it anyway, right? Um, I don't know, how did that sort of, like, did you, do you have thoughts throughout that process where you're just, like, like, who is gonna, you know, like, how do I make the people who are not the people who are, inten- this is intended for, like, you know, like, you have this, like, push and pull. I only think about this this morning. I, like, talked to this high school in Manhattan, and the ki- that's one of the questions the kids asked me. So I'm asking you, relaying you, you the... about audience? I'm relaying you the question of a 15-year-old, you know? <laughs> but, like, I was, as I was, like, fumbling to answer it, I was like, well, you know, like, you sort of do this push and pull in your head, you know, where you're just, like, sometimes you think about it, and then sometimes you feel very hostile towards the audience, you know? Um... And then you come back, and then you like, and then you feel hostile towards the audience, again, you know. And you're just like, "Do not interrupt me." And then you're like, "But listen, I need you," you know. Like, <laughs> and they're like, "But, um, but do not interrupt my process." This, this is what goes through my head every single day. But like, you know, like for you, like um, because this is like a specific thing, right? And that, like, um, you know, like it is a type, like the Asian American Berkeley. 90s person is a type, right? Like, um, (laughs) I know so many of them, you know? Like, um, Like, how did you sort of go through that process? I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it because I think when you're writing, you know, if you're writing for a magazine or a newspaper... You, you know what your editor is going to think. Like, you have your editor's voice, yeah. and you kind of know what they like and what they don't like, or just sort of what the house style is. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess with this, it's why it took so long. Like, you know, I started writing stuff in 1998, and it did take a while to take shape because I think there is no... Um, I don't know. Like, there are no model... Like, I'm very good at copying other people's work, um, like structurally, yeah. yeah like if too. I'm gonna, if I have to write a profile, I'll just read a bunch of other people's For profiles sure. yeah. and say like, oh, like this is what thousand words in you do this. Mm-hmm. Like, but with this, I don't read a ton of memoirs, mm. and there weren't like a ton of like Asian American memoirs when I was in high school or college, right. and so it it was sort of hard for me to figure out like how to write from the perspective that like people don't care about, and by people I mean like white readers because that's like what the publishing industry is like, right. I was sort of like there's no there's no real natural audience for this because it's 
a story of like two Asian American people trying to figure out random stuff. And then um, I just didn't think it was something with any kind of broader context that mm -hmm. people would grasp onto, which is, which is like a concern that's threaded into the book. Too. Right. But um, yeah, so I just figured that it was something that I had to write just to figure stuff out for myself. Like that was the only real goal in the beginning, which is like, I have these hundreds of pages of journal entries, like, why do I keep doing this? Like, what, is, what am I trying to reconstruct by writing about the past so much? And so there's like a version of the book that's twice as long. Mm. And it's probably more, it's probably more um, of a representation of like how I actually think and feel. But it's like very messy and there's no narrative. And it's, it's, it's like probably completely unrelatable. There's like, random riffs about things that happen like in the future and things like that. I see. Um, and so when I took all of that out, I'm like, oh, it's just a story of these two friends. Yeah. And maybe that's something that people will be interested in. But I don't know. I just didn't really think about it that much. Like after I finished it, um, I sent it to some people who were actually in the book and they didn't really have any strong opinions other than like, I remember that moment where like you, you captured this moment very well. But like I had no idea if any of the quote unquote ideas in the book had any kind of would have any purchase beyond that. Um, and I just didn't I just didn't really think about it. Which mm -hmm. which sounds like kind of dumb and cavalier, but I honestly just had no sense of how anyone would relate to it, so I just figured there's no obvious way to shoehorn it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no, um, like, I remember when I was a kid, um, and my parents were, like, very, they're pretty laid back about a lot of things, and at recess, we would all complain about our parents. People would say, like, like, oh, like, my dad was, like, made me do all this stuff, and I was like, wow, yeah, same with mine, even though my dad didn't make me do those things. <laughs> like, I was just trying to kind of conform <laughs> to this, like, trope that we were developing together. Yeah. yeah. And because those like tropes... Like, uh, peer pressure. Yeah, I was trying to... I was trying... I was like, yes, like, I am like that, even though... Um, just, just to fit in. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think when I was writing it, I just figured there's no way... It, it's unclear to me whether anyone outside of, like, an Asian-American audience, and particularly, like, a very West Coast Asian-American audience will ever actually, yeah. like, understand any of this. So there's no way for to make it, like... Obvious. Does that make? Is yeah. this making any sense? I feel yeah. like I just keep turning back and forth, like trying to be like. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Affirmation. Yeah. Like, do you want me to nod? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I guess what I'm hearing from you is you felt this compulsion, like you have to do it, and then yeah, I had to do it because I was just doing it. Anyways. Yeah, you were doing yeah. it anyways. But so once you started moving it though through the kind of machinery of cultural production, like your agent and the editor yeah, and the yeah. houses, what happened to it? Was it shrinking? Was it? It shrank. Yeah. Dude, were you okay with that? Yeah, because I think ultimately um, it's a very it's a very meaningful part of my life, obviously, but it didn't need to be like a four hundred page book. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. Like I just felt like to be honest about sort of the span of a life and, and sort of like how things happen, like it kind of made sense for it to be a shorter book. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, like I did I the editorial process was actually like pretty easy in that regard. It's good. I'm laughing because <laughs> I was thinking, that, yeah, you shrunk it, but you have like 17 
times where you say how much you hate Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> they did really, not edit uh, those it's, out. It's very overblown at this point, but yes. Uh, yeah, it was... It used, yeah, yeah. used to be 34 times, so, you know. <laughs> um, um, Pearl Jam's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the uh the, that that isn't the imitation part is interesting. Do you guys like to Pearl me. Jam? Yeah. No. You yeah. Do? But like, I don't like have any all of it or just 10. A lot of it. I don't really have any strong feelings about it, you know. They're fine. I'm like happy that they like have found their inner peace, you know. Yeah, totally. Like I, yeah. I, I like think Why about them it? as like a model for life in terms of like you I know, do too like, now. Yeah, yeah, because they're like fuck Ticketmaster. Like we're not corporate anymore. Yeah. We're gonna make these albums. I haven't heard a song that they've put out since like Vitalogy <laughs> or something. But I respect the, the pro- I respect that the, that that like work exists and that they feel like it's for them and the people who appreciate them. That's cool, you know. It's like if you um, I don't know, they're like making a zine or something, you know. It's like, <laughs> I agree. That's how that's that's where I've landed. Every album since the 90s was a zine. Yeah. Yeah. That, like are you are you like their entire catalog you, you've had like, engagement with? No, no. Okay. I mean, but, you know, I felt like you were, it was, it was a lot. You were really, I know, you were and, really going after and them. And actually, ever since, because uh, I get this question a lot. Yeah, I can I imagine. Still, whether I, and I, I've tried. I, I still don't get them at all. None of them. But it. now I'm like, you know, there's three or four songs that I actually like. Okay. Which ones? And yeah, um, one? I don't know, they're the obvious ones. Like uh, that, that one about the old lady and a... Uh, town or something no i don't know that no. song um yellow lead better <laughs> yellow lead better uh yeah. in the book uh black because it was my junior prom theme which Aww. is like very weird yeah if you actually think about that it. is it's weird, weird yeah. it was supposed to be today by smashing pumpkins okay which is actually should... a worse choice i guess because it's it's i'm not sure it's not a very up- uplifting yeah song. i think this um, is a very depressing prom yeah, yeah. but um I was in Seattle on book tour, and everywhere I went, oh, someone wow. was playing Better Man, the Pearl Jam song. And I'm like, you know everywhere what? Everywhere you went. Yeah. This wow. is, uh, yeah, from the, like, Asian-owned psychedelic <laughs> shop to the airport to the rest. Like, everywhere, it was, like, <laughs> Better so Man. So, huh. um, yeah, they have some cool songs. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool, cool, cool. But um, <laughs> I read that the day after Kurt Cobain took his own life, Pearl Jam and Mud Honey, uh-huh. which is another great Seattle band, they were at the White House on a tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, they just happened to be in D.C. on tour, and I guess Bill Clinton had invited Pearl Jam to the White House as oh, a wow. tour. Yeah. And so Mud Honey were just like that high, so hanging weird. out. They're, they're like very cool people. And, um, and Bill Clinton like takes Eddie Vedder aside and is like, do I need to address the nation on what happened to Kurt Cobain? And I'm just like, that's a, that's that's like a wild story because that's a lot of pressure to put on Eddie Vedder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do, do you think I need to address the nation on what happened with Kurt Cobain? That's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. And um, What did he say? I don't know what he said. I'm sure he felt like very pained and replied in that sort of like baritone kind of foghorn-esque <laughs> voice of his. But um, no, I... Uh, so yeah, my views on, on them have, have softened. Yeah, wow. They that's... seem like incredibly decent people. And the older I get, I'm like, I think that's all that really matters. I know, that's you know? how I am these days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, are you a good hang or not? Yeah. Like, and I imagine myself hang, you know, hanging out. And then I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably okay, you know? 
Who cares? It's politics. Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, they're right about Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah, they were right about That's Ticketmaster. Right, yeah. They're probably right about Naps. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't. That was Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. They were. They're not a good hang, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. like, um, probably like the worst. Oh, their Kurt seems cool. Yeah, we were talking about Kurt this Hammett, backstage. The Asian American Metallica. <laughs> yeah, the original James E. High, I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, the. Uh, I don't that the what you were talking about imitation I think is actually quite interesting. Um, I feel that way too, you know. And then sometimes I've thought, you know, like have you read like that Ishiguro book, like you know, like where he, the floating life, and it's about like UKOA, and it's about like how and like you know when I read it, I was like I had this. I read it when I was pretty young, and I remember having this very like internally racist thought, be like maybe Asians are very good at copying things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes worry about that because I feel. <laughs> Writing-wise, like, I was like, well, I could probably, like, imitate a lot of different things. And then sometimes I feel like my writing style is just, like, this, like, whatever, like, blend of imitations that I'm doing at the same time. I don't know. I thought it was interesting that you felt that way, too. <laughs> like, there's no, like, like, people are like, what is your voice? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, right. it's just, like, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And it's all mixed together. And then the sentence is, like, going to go in, like, a line, you know, and that's it. But there's no expression of, like, my soul in there, you know, that I can feel. It's just, like, this is a good sentence and this is a good sentence. It's mostly, imita- like, imitative, you know? And, um, and so I, I never, like, understand the voice question, you know? Do you understand it? Like, you know, like, like I don't know. Like, I think yeah. of you as a writer who has, like, a pretty distinct voice, but, like, like for, do, you, do you feel that? Like, you, not me. No, I yeah, don't, I'm talking I don't to you. at all, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't feel like I... Really? I yeah. think both of you guys, I know your voice in your work. Yeah, but I, it's not like a real thing. Do you agree that Asians are good mimics? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like Apparently K-pop, y'all are. K-pop is just like a, yeah, is right, it amazing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because I, I try to think about it very intellectually or like whatever, you know? Or like I try to like parse it down and I'm just like, no, that's just like, I read some Dennis Johnson essay about when he was doing like psychedelics in the desert. And I'm just writing it like that, you know? And then, like, here, I felt like this would be cool if I, like, did this Lydia Davis essay about (laughs) how she likes this dictionary better than her child. And I'm just, like, (laughs) putting that in there, you know? Um, And then it it just feels kind of, like, fraudulent to me at some point. But, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know why, like, I don't know why I'm admitting all of this. But, like, (laughs) I thought you're, I thought that you're, uh, that, like, you talk, like, is that how you also think about writing? Or like yeah, that's absolutely. how you think of your own yeah. writing? Yeah, okay. But cool. but it's not like Dennis Johnson wasn't imitating someone else. Right, 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 right. So, right. You know, you yeah, well, I just mind, assume man. everyone is like that. No, I assume everybody was like that, you know? Like everybody yeah. was, like Dennis Johnson was like kind of copying Donald Bartlemy or something like that, right? And that like there was, Donald Bartlemy was like, I don't know, like, you know, there was somebody that he was inspired by, maybe Burroughs or something like that. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. I've never understood the voice thing. Hmm. Yeah. That's another question a 15-year-old asked me today. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have a voice? Yeah, very precocious 15-year-olds, yeah. Oh, but that was like, oh, how, well, do, were you thinking how about, do you develop a voice? Were you like, thinking about that, Ho, when you were writing? Well, at least, maybe not if voice is the weird word, but the tone of the book. How you wanted it to feel. What kind of vibe you wanted it to give off, I guess. Yeah, no, I yeah. was. And, uh, I mean, I don't... You know who I, I feel like I've copied a lot from? Uh, so, like, I didn't read a ton of memoirs, but there were, there was, there was these certain, like, um, feelings I wanted to yeah. approach. And I've said this in the past, but 
like they weren't necessarily literary or, or like nonfiction, but mm-hmm. I think when I started writing it, you know, I was 21 and the intensity of, you just feel things more intensely when you're younger. Course, like yeah. now I'm just so beaten down. I just <laughs> cannot feel anything that high or high, yeah. that low anymore. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think that, and obviously like the scale of what happened with Ken was, yeah. was um, something that I think most of us who were there at that time, like, have still not experienced something that kind of sudden and tragic. But um, I was just sort of fixated on how sad and shitty I felt and how everyone around me felt. And it took me a while to realize that I think part of what matters out of coming out of something like that is just what you take out of the memory or just sort of how you try and honor a person's memory by not necessarily just staying in that low key, Mm -hmm. you know, so or that minor key. So I think that there's just a kind of joy or a kind of utopian vision in like Pharaoh Sanders's music, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of melancholy and, yeah, and chaotic. Sure. And just sort of having both things at once is something that I try to do in the voice. I don't think that that was like my voice necessarily. Is it like, oh, you could be happy and sad at the same time. But <laughs> it, was, it was something that I tried to build into the book. Yeah. And so I think the person I copy the most is Maxine Hong Kingston mm. because she writes these like incredibly long-winded lyrical things that are actually quite sad, but they're also so they're like she's like such a hippie. Yeah. You know, and I feel like sometimes when I'm writing cuz the book I think is sad, but it's also there are moments of I hope humor and Definitely, joy and sort yeah. of like yearning. And I think those were things where I was like, I want this to feel like what some of Maxine's mm. books feel like, which is that... That's great. Like, yeah, like there's war, but there's also this community of friends who've stayed up all night at a party and like, we'll come up with the solution. Yeah. Which is like so naive, but also so sweet and beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so, and she she just completely copied Walt Whitman, you know? Like, right. So mm-hmm. there's like... Um, and. and and right. her voice is like derivative of the things she loves, but I think that that's that's fine, you know. Yeah, and you wrote a great profile of her in the New Yorker. She seems like a cool hang, also. Yeah, she's a great hang. It was a she's beautiful such. case. Yeah. But what was it? What was the process like? I'm sorry for so many writer questions, but like, you know, you're taking stuff you wrote when you're 21, which is like 20 years ago or more, right? Um, and trying yeah, to like more, yeah. trying to make them, you know to try and present them in a book, you know, because if I found stuff I had written back then, it would be, you got to be like, well, some of this is, like, just objectively bad, you know, <laughs> and that, like, uh, I don't know how to redo this, but I also kind of don't, I want to somehow capture the energy that I mm-hmm. had when I wrote it, you know, like, so how, how did you go through that? Because I think it's, you know, I I was I felt very emotional while reading it, you know, and so I think it worked, right? Like at least it did for me, and I don't think it had anything to do with like you know our friendship or anything. I just felt like in like I felt like it was there. Like how, how did you how did you sort of do that? How do you take stuff that's like twenty years old and then and then like try and put it in a book that is like you know from you today, or is it from you today even? I guess I just took the stuff that I thought sounded good still. Like, yeah. a lot of it was bad, right. but I think when what I consulted was more, um, like, I, I was just very fastidious about taking notes back then, mm. and so a lot of it is stuff that is probably rewritten through today's 
in today's language, but it's just sort of like, this is what we ate that day, or this is, this is how many people were in the van that day. Um, there are moments in the book where I quote my journal from when I was 22, but I sort of point out that even then I was like, this is actually like terrible writing. <laughs> right. know, or, right. or just, you know, I think even then I was worried about, like, is this just me trying to sound deep? And, and that's something that I wrote in when I was 23. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's all very cringe, like, reading stuff from when you're <laughs> 21 or 22. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone... There, there are very few people for whom that would not be, like, an excruciating experience, <laughs> right? But um, I don't know. Like, there's also just something so direct about what I was trying mm-hmm. to express in that in those yeah. moments um, and in the longer version there's like way more of it and so it's I probably see. for the best that it's not there but um, but so much of the book is also about me trying to recapture the feeling I had when I had to like deliver the eulogy and I thought like this is this is like perfect not not I that see. this is like not that these are great sentences or anything like that but this is this is just exactly how a bunch of my friends and I feel in yeah. this moment because we kind of collectively authored this document. Wow. And so trying to recapture that feeling forced me to just kind of go back and reread stuff. And, and um, Yeah. Yeah. So. What, has, what has Ken's family said about the book? Ken's mother has read it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, she... Her comments are very general. She said, you're a good friend. Mm. But, uh, and that it was very hard to read. Yeah. Like, it was clearly I'm very sure. hard for a lot of people to read um, in our friend group, like other friends of Ken's as well. But, mm. um, yeah, I gave her a copy early on. And, um, yeah. Yeah. She said it, it took her quite a while mm. to, to read it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Tammy, is there? Well, I wanted to, to yeah, ask you. Yeah, we have some questions Yeah, from the we audience. had some questions from our um, Discord subscriber group while you're on the spot now. Um, okay, so one of them is about the woman in your book. Um, it's mostly, as we were saying, about male friendships and the father-son relationship, but you talk a little bit about dating and sex. And the question is, do you think the women you write about in your book remember you and your interactions in the same way? I know the answer, at least for one of, for like oh, two yeah? of these people. Okay, because yeah. you're still in touch? I'm well, still friends with like okay. 95% of people. In oh, the wow. Amazing. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I think that I think that what surprise I think you you always understand your own insecurities more than other people's obviously and so I think that my level of actual like insecurity or lack of confidence was not obvious to other people mm. and so yeah one person was like I didn't think of you the way I didn't think of you as lacking <laughs> I didn't think of you as lacking in confidence the way you did. Oh, funny. And I mm. actually felt that way. Mm. And I was like, I could see that 
<laughs> no, 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 I didn't. No, no, not like that. I just mean like. No, I understand what, like that. what then? You're like, yeah, well, uh, you know, you're like, by the, I'm glad you said that about me, but I, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, just that that. Um, Everyone at that age, though, is like. Yeah, just that, that I. I don't. Honestly, like the whole collector thing has me thinking, like whether I'm like a complete alien here or not, but or like how normal, how um, how normal my reaction to things are. Um, one person did not think that they were as um, sort of like otherworldly as I depicted them. Uh, someone that I'm still very good friends with. But yeah, I sent those people. I sent anyone who is in the book for more than like two sentences the book, uh, their sections that's in advance. Nice. Yeah. And oh, that's so, super nice. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. That's a good move, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have it fact checked or did you just. Do no. It? Okay. No, but you know, like someone was like, yeah. I don't know why you thought I was so hot or something like that. I'm like, oh. well, like you, <laughs> I think that I think you were incorrect in this. <laughs> but it was sort of like. But it's also just sort of supposed to be from the perspective of someone who's like 20 yeah. and in their first, you know, or like one of their first relationships. And so, Definitely. Um, yeah, that kind of, is, that, is this making any sense? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you kind of took the easy way out, but I'm good with it. Well, I don't know what, like, no, what is the hard way I don't out? Know. Yeah. I don't say, know. You know. I don't know. Like, the juicier stuff, like, the... the the dating stuff, the sex stuff. I don't know. Was there were there reactions to your depictions <laughs> friends, of the romance? My friends, um, it's so. My friend's daughter picked up the book and turned straight <laughs> to the page where I lose my virginity and was like, "Ew!" and then just <laughs> and shut the book. Um, that's great. Yeah, and I was like, "That's that's fine. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll understand someday." That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think that I don't know, like. It's weird because all writing requires you to become a character, mm-hmm. like whether you're writing the first person definitely. or not. Yeah. And in this case, I definitely have turned myself into a character. You know, like there's of obviously, course, yeah. as some, one of my friends was like, you're not actually this funny in real life <laughs> um, or the, this quick. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I think particularly with those relationships. It may not come across, but I think part of why the character, i.e. me, is like so kind of seems clueless but is like very head over heels is because like these were like very special people to me. Yeah. Right. But then I don't think they understood necessarily and I was special to them too, but um I've also been thinking about these moments in my life for like twenty years. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think obviously everyone in the book, not just the women, but also like my roommate and other friends, they, they think about that period of time, but they're like, I can't believe how much you've thought about this I see. Yeah. and how much reading this feels like we're just hanging out back then still. And so yeah. I think for, um, you know, like for the women in the book, there is a sense of like, wow, I didn't know you thought this mm. deeply about these things because you seemed so like cool about certain things. Right. You seem like checked out about certain things. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I I'm not meant to be like the likable person in those sure in those yeah. moments, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. What, did you like? What, how much did you 
think about the putting photos in the book, you know, because like the cover is somebody with a camera, right, and there are photos mm-hmm. in there. Um, and yeah, it's kind uh, of the camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, what is the like? What was like? Did you think about it? Were you like? Was there a part of you that did you always want to put those photos in the book? Like, did you? Um, or was there a part where you're just like, oh, well, that'll, like, disrupt the imagination of the reader? Or you're like, oh, I want to have interruptions at this point. I want to put the photo here. Like, you know, like, what was the process for that? Because it's, like, super interesting to me, at least, you know, like, I, like we, you don't have to, like, make sort of, like, say Baldy and, like, argument about it, you know? But, like, what was <laughs> the... That was the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I assumed, right? Like, because, like, I was, like, thinking about when you were talking about, like, all the random Asian photos of Asian people, yeah. like, you could have done that, you know, like, if it was a slightly different book or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was my editor's idea, uh-huh. uh, because I didn't know we had a budget to put images. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, part of the reason they're there is is to break up the book. Like, there aren't chapter headings or chapter numbers. Right. It just, it is there to break up the text, but they're also not um, explained, the photos, necessarily, and so it's kind of meant to just you know, remind you, like, give you a glimpse into this world, but mm-hmm. it's more like you're just walking down the hall of a dorm and you just, like, peek into people's rooms. And and you know that there's a life there, but that you may not access it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it sort of... It also is sort of zany, too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's just that that like the other thing text. I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. we have another question um, What from the audience. What's one song that came out after Ken's death that you wish he could hear? Wow, that's an incredible question. I know, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, this is like a... <laughs> Sorry, it's such a hard question to fit on you. <clears throat> uh, wow, that's a really good question. Um, like a lot. Um, Wow, that is a, <laughs> that's an incredible we can, question. We can that, let you think about it, but no, yeah, that's seriously uh, so an sweet. unbelievable question uh, because that is the precise thing that I would write in my journal. Right, like, I remember I um, the week after it happened, like we a bunch of us went to go see. There's something about Mary. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, no, the that comedy seems like so. Long. Well, it was, a long but time. like I remember because. We, he and I had gone to see a movie, and when the trailer came on, he's like, let's go see that. Mm. And so then when I saw it, oh, I went wow. home, and I'm like, dude, you would have died when this one scene with Brett Favre, you know? Like, and I can hear <laughs> you say Brett Favre, you know? So, like, that, that is the type of exact wow. type of thing that I would keep track of. Like, this is, like, my friend Dave. Like, you would have liked this dude, you know? Um, it sounds, like, incredibly cheesy, but it's partly because I've been listening to the song a lot. But that Foo Fighter song, My Hero, I feel like I could totally imagine. It's also just sort of um, like a weirdly good song. Um, is it? It's a great song, yeah. I think Foo Fighters, like Pearl Jam, is like not an albums group, but they have like two really good songs. Two. Um, but for whatever reason, they're like wildly successful just off having like two or three really good songs, uh, much like Pearl Jam. But um, which is probably why I'm gonna say like a Foo Fighters song. But uh, I see. but there's just so many. I mean, I I can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a sweet way to remember someone, though. Just kind of walking around, experiencing your life, and thinking like, oh, I know they would really like this thing. Yeah, because we do that anyways. Right. With with 
normal people with the living, you know, yeah. with, with our friends. Yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think the thing that I, I think about a lot is just how, because the book isn't necessarily meant to be an example of, it's not like the book is about like me being this like dope friend, you know, because in reality, I think I was just as, I was just like a very, you know, I was just like a self-absorbed teenager. Sure. And part of why Ken and I became friends is because he was actually open-minded and actually like a good person. Um, and so I just think about, I think more about things that we do in our daily lives now out of friendship that I would have enjoyed doing with him, you know, like just texting to see how someone's doing or just um, emailing after like some big dumb sports thing happens, you know, just stuff like that. Just the kind of daily maintenance check-in of friendship. Um, those are things that I, I sort of, and you yeah. know, part of it is saying like, oh, check out this song or yeah. uh, I thought of you when this came on. So yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's cool. Well, props to the Oscar. I guess. Um, those are both incredible questions. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you a lot for the. Aren't book. you guys going to do like normal podcast stuff, like talk about China? What you've been up to? <laughs> like labor. We feel know? so yeah, exposed just sitting that, here. But like. well, we have a confined <laughs> amount of time, and also like nothing. You know, I don't know. I was like tired, and then I was like, <laughs> most of our banter is me asking Tammy where she is, which you know is a little bit more. Yeah, how was, how was your also, trip? like somebody said, good. they didn't like it, and it got stuck in my head. So oh, didn't really? Like the yeah. They didn't like the banter. Yeah, and, then oh, I was okay. like, and since then, I've been consciously trying to cut it down. Really? Like they yeah. they would skip past the banter. Yeah, because actually, I thought yeah. about it because I was we like, we have had that request. I thought about wow. it because like <laughs> a lot of podcasts, too. I just oh, fast I saw forward. some heads nodding there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, May the other day was like, yeah. we need to put in pod. Timestamps because some people want to yeah. skip over the banter. I know, I know. <laughs> well, you know, like what my there is a podcast I was listening to that used Pearl Jam as like the as a part where you can skip forward all the ads and yeah. then like and then once Pearl Jam starts, that's when the podcast starts, and so you fast forward till you hear Pearl Jam. <laughs> Are we talking about Simmons? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we need like we need to put something in that's licensable, you know, that we can we can people get skip over the pants. So we didn't do it this time because you know we've had Next some requests. That's Pearl Jam. really funny. Yeah. Um, well, thank you no, so thanks much. For, uh, thanks yeah. for having me. Congratulations it's, on uh, the book. And no, thanks for everyone for being here. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank no. you to the APA Institute. Thank yeah, you thank you APA so much, Institute. the APA Institute. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks to thank you to everyone you. for coming. Thanks to you, you too. So. Thank you.